0: happy friday guys and welcome to another episode of let's talk dubs i'm your host bill t well you guys saw what happened last week and i've been back home for the rest of this week just working on putting some things together and figuring out a time when i'm gonna get back there over to my uh, Gia tc and get that bad boy back on the road but i've got some things in the works and we'll see how this goes from this point forward but i'm excited to get that thing back it was actually a pretty cool cruiser to to drive that thing a little bit that i did but it's it's got some, some style and some, some coolness to it. So uh, I've got some plans for that thing when I get it back. But I'm glad that I was able to connect with my buddy Sam. And this podcast is about Sam Coots. And he is the owner of New Vintage in Arvada, Colorado. I'm going to tell you something right now. The VW hobby is full of super rad people one of those people is Sam. Sam Sam's a listener to the podcast. We messaged back and forth over the past year or so just little messages here and there. And shared some, you know, experiences about, you know, his his growing up in the scene and my growing up and, and we we're, we're similar in age. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get to meet him face to face when I was up there in Arvada coming through and he helped me out. You guys saw on the Instagram video that uh, I spent a solid day over there at his place and uh we tried to do what we could with that old tired motor which it didn't last but the car is still over there so it's in good hands i gotta get up there and pick it up shortly this weekend if you guys are going out there to bandamere uh it's supposed to be the last bug in so everybody out there in denver man uh take lots of pics and post them up and tag your boy let's talk dubs in them because i'd love to see what's happening over there this weekend for the final bug in that's going to be at bandamere speedway so so yeah that's what's going on this weekend in denver again big shout out to everybody over at new vintage sam conrad raya bill charles just the whole crew over there at new vintage man totally cool dig those people if you need any vw stuff done go hit up sam at new vintage man og vw guy from way back and matter of fact he's going to be on this week's podcast we did a sit down talked about him his hobby how it evolved into him having the business his history with fixing cars he's a sharp cat knows exactly what's going on so I'm super stoked have him on the podcast this week just a genuine solid VW friend and you know it's one of those people that you meet and you just feel like you just feel like we're buddies since way back so he's a rad dude and hopefully I'll see him down here for one crazy weekend I just got notification from the hotel that we sold quite a few rooms so far so you guys are doing the right thing get your rooms booked so make sure you get your rooms booked for one crazy weekend. Go to letstalkdubs.com. Click on the link for one crazy weekend, on October 6th and 7th. You will not want to miss that. It's going to be a rager. There's, we've sold double the rooms we sold last year, uh, and it's going to be off the chain, man. Everybody that's coming out, it's just having a blast. Um, it's totally rad. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys out there. Also, while I was out there in Colorado, I got to meet a listener. Spud came by. Uh, Sinister VW, I think is his name. And he stopped by the shop and just a solid cat man. Give him a follow on Instagram. He's got a super dope bug on some billets you guys might've saw. And his IG is Sinister VWs too. So check him out. Uh, again, it was just a, you know, for being there, being stuck with a broke down card, man, it was a great opportunity to just meet some of the people in Denver. And I wish I was there this weekend for the Denver bugging. But listen, I'm here in Vegas. I got a million things to do, and that's what I'm working on right now. But don't forget, support our sponsors VW Trends Magazine, a magazine for the people by the people. Don't forget, go subscribe today at VWTrendsMagazine.com. That's VWTrendsMagazine.com. Also, high performance aftermarket quality parts for your VW by Ross Wolf. Go check them out today. Pick up something cool off their website. They make a lot of rad stuff for your VW to dress it up. Everything from pulleys and dipsticks to billet shift couplers and even stainless steel deck hinges for for deck lid hinges for your bus. So get yourself dialed in and uh, go check out Ross Wolf at rosswolf.com. So on this week's podcast, Sam Coots with new vintage VW repair shop and Subaru in Arvada, Colorado. One of the guys that's uh, solid as the day is long and has all kinds of knowledge. He's had cars featured in Hot VWs, and he's got a nice little collection. I checked out at his house. He is committed to the cause. He's into racing. He's into fast cars, and he's into keeping Volkswagens on the road. So make sure you guys go check him out if you're in Arvada, Colorado. But he's, as you'll listen from this podcast, man, OG VW guy from the way back, and it's in his blood. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into this week. Sam Coots with New Vintage on Let's Talk Dubs
1: probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen.
0: Okay, everybody. So on today's show, uh, you guys may have noticed on Instagram if you're following me that I was I picked up a car, a bucket of bolts over in Colorado Springs, and uh, a car that hasn't been on the road for quite a while. And I hit the road, and along this journey, I was able to stop and visit uh, a, a podcast listener and now a friend of mine, uh, Sam Coots, and he owns a shop here in Arvada, Colorado. Uh, we had a little a little snafu on the road, and one of the great things about the VW hobby is the people, obviously, and with the way that people support each other. So on today's podcast, that's who we're talking to today, Sam Coots from v- New Vintage, Volkswagen Repair, and Subaru, right? Yes, sir. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. So you're a listener to the podcast, so you kind of know how, how the routine goes. So I do. go ahead and slide your convertible glass forward to you a little bit, and why don't, right. don't you uh, tell me how did you get into Volkswagens, and what's your VW story?
1: I don't remember a time in my life without Volkswagens, like, Everybody in my family had them. My dad, my uncles, my aunts. They all had them. There was countless bugs and buses and a couple of squarebacks that were always around in my childhood. And then.
0: And you've been into them since high school?
1: Um, I bought my first bug when I was 12. It was a beat up 67 that had been sitting in my uncle's driveway on four flat tires for forever. And he said he was going to sell it. And I asked how much. He said 50 bucks. And I had about 50 bucks.
0: And that's the 67 you own today? I still have it. Now, that car, you it's been featured in
1: Hot VWs? It was, yes. What year? 2017? Uh, March, March of 17.
0: And it's a Honda Civic Blue. Yeah,
1: 2000 Civic Si Blue.
0: Yeah, tell me about the bug.
1: Um, It's hard to say. I guess it's sort of the California look or a DKP look is what I've been told. Just 2332, the usual big valve heads, IDAs, built transmission, um, Porsche alloys that I'm glad that I bought 25 years ago and they were cheap.
0: Yeah, real alloys. Mm-hmm. Real alloys. Now, with you know, building that car, b- being here in Denver. You, now, you've grown up here in Denver all my life. And w- so, what's the scene like here in Denver?
1: It's different, not the same as you know California or Europe, but a bunch of great people. That's for sure. I
0: mean, it, it, you know, they've got Bandamir and they have what's the show called here? It's the. It's the Bug In. The Denver Bug-In. The Denver Bug-In. And it's usually held at Bandamere and, today, th- and this year is actually a unique year because this year they're shutting it down, right?
1: That's the last year for the Bug-In, at least at that location. Bandemir mm-hmm. says they, they're going to have a new location in 2025. And I've talked to John the III, and he says the bug is his favorite show. So now, it's going to happen again.
0: Now, you get your first Bug uh, when you're 12 years old. You build it. You do all the stuff. Now, what's the scene like here in Denver at that time?
1: Um, it was... It was a lot bigger at the time, honestly. The shows were bigger, people used to come here from out of state to race. There were a lot more Volkswagen shops. You used to see them on the road more, but it's it's shrinking, but like the hardcore people are still here.
0: Now you own uh, New Vintage, which you bought. How long ago did you buy the shop? Uh, March of 2011. And what is your history? How did you get into working on Volkswagens as a, as a profession?
1: Um, I, I worked on Subarus since I was about 13. I started at my uncle's shop, and after I left there, I went at several other shops, and then in my mid-twenties, I went out on my own, just working on cars out of my garage, and then I got big enough to rent a shop, and I worked by myself about five years. And then my shop, I was very good friends with the guy who started it, and we just got to talk him one day, and he said he was looking to change and sell his shop, and I was looking to do something different, so we went out to dinner, had a couple drinks, came to an agreement, and I took it over.
0: Now, how has that been from the standpoint of like, you know, in a scene, here in Denver that is fairly big. I mean, the, the greater Denver area is what's the population up here. A couple million.
1: I believe so. It's, it's huge.
0: I mean, it's a few million. So the, the scene here, I mean, listen, just my two cents being from Las Vegas, the streets here <laughs> they are terrible. They're horrible. It's like Salt Lake city. They just keep repaving over stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, the thing you got to worry about in Vegas is like those little drain cutouts that are sticking yeah. up above the asphalt. Everything here is below the asphalt. Cause they yes. just, they keep layering mm-hmm. it. Um, What's it like buying a shop that? Because you've worked at a few shops here in town. I did. What shops have you worked for here?
1: I was a place called Strictly Automotive. It's a Subaru shop, and then another three or four small independent Subaru garages.
0: Now, but primarily working on Subarus. How do you compare the difference between working on Subarus and Volkswagens?
1: It's all nuts and bolts, really. It's just you know understanding how things work and repairing them.
0: Yeah. Now with. Because you own a specifically mostly Volkswagen shop here, Mm -hmm. you work on a few Subarus come in, um, but obviously the more people that know you work on Subarus, the more they'll they'll come out here. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm surprised that... I know you guys are working on one Subaru conversion project. We are. That would seem like, especially with your background in Subarus, I would think that would be a huge opportunity for you to capitalize on because there's a lot of people that do it. But most of the shops that I see that do the Subaru conversions, um, when you're talking... uh, like uh, i think it's called what's uh, california westies and a couple I think places like go that go westy and go westy and, and california westies is another one yeah and
1: fan cafe maybe all,
0: sure. all those westies once you put a subi in them they're 100,000 bucks yes you know so i think what what maybe some people don't understand there i remember there used to be a, a website back in the day called subi notch and it was a dude who did yes. his own he did his own conversion late model square back I'm, I'm sorry, notchback, a late model orange or red notchback.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he did it, and he kind of prided himself on the fact that he was able to do it for fairly inexpensive. And anybody can do something fairly inexpensive when you're doing your, when you're not calculating what your labor costs are. That's true. And everything he was using was, you know, from the junkyard or whatever, or handmade and home-built. Um, but I think one of the things, because we talked about it a little bit off the air, I thought, man, it, with your background and, and knowing what you know about Subarus, I would think that, that you could be capitalizing on a market. And I don't know if it's maybe you need to build a few Subi-powered cars to sell yeah. or you know um, find that clientele or get people to know that you do the Subi conversions. Because having that, such experience with Subarus, you know those in and out. And, and maybe yeah. some of the tough time with VW people is they're learning the Subaru thing yes, and trying to come from a background of knowing Volkswagens, which is two
1: totally different worlds, right? And we've done a handful of Subaru conversions, but we've done more of is finishing them or fixing them when people do it themselves and then they bring it to us halfway running or and or just all assemble them it won't work and we have to diagnose what they didn't get right.
0: Yeah, and I saw one of the I saw one of the uh, buses you're working on here and you guys actually had the, the drive by wire throttle pedal in it, which I thought was super cool because yeah. that's one of the things I, I've seen a lot of Unique applications, I put it that way to be uh, nice. Like, yes. I've seen some junk out there where it's like someone's got all the stuff wadded up under the dash that's got to be that's got to belong to the Subaru. Now, there are people I understand that that can modify the ECU to basically be a three wire hookup, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the, ultimately to do the drive by wire and all that stuff and have it be really dialed in, I mean, there's a there's I'm sure there's a, a, a good way to do it. Have you? have you put much thought into maybe trying to, trying to specialize in doing any of those subie conversions?
1: I would like to, I've bid the job out for a few customers over the years and it just comes out to more than they want to spend at the time. And I, you're right. I've thought about doing a couple just on spec to sell. So I've been kind of keeping my eyes out for a, a clean van of some sort. Yeah. I,
0: especially the vanagon. It's, it's such a direct swap for the vanigan. Yeah. Yeah, and true. I would think here in hippie country, you'd be just going over the Hills with it, but yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: they fly up the Hills.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, really I think a, a natural progression to do that conversion. I mean, I, I think really my, my opinion is a lot of type threes just need to do a real Subi swap. You know, even like my car that I've got out there, the car that mm-hmm. we're working on now, the Ghia TC, because the pancake motor in the back, it would be ideal for a Subi conversion. And especially yeah. with that little car oh. being yeah. kind of sporty as it is, you know, it could be perfect with a Subi setup. So
1: it'd be a monster.
0: Yeah. Who knows? Maybe one day, maybe one day she'll be back. <laughs> I would love
1: to do that. That'd be so much fun.
0: But, uh, Now you've you've got a few cars. I was at your house the other night. Showed Mm -hmm. me a little bit of your collection, and just let everybody know that the kind of people that are in the in the in the VW scene. Sam only knowing me from Instagram and us exchanging messages back and forth and talking through uh, instant messenger. When I show up in town, he kind of rolls out the red carpet for me and makes sure I've got a a car to motor around while my while the guia TC is dead over here. So thanks for that, man. I I really it's huge. That's not a problem. and It's like a full on blown out SUBY wagon that's got all kinds of power. That I had to use a lot of restraint when I was driving because I, I didn't want to, I don't want, but it, it she naturally runs the Subie. You got, yes. I mean, she pulls hard, so
1: it's a monster. Just as well.
0: driving it, you know, just a little mid throttle, it starts to open up and you feel the boost kick in. And uh, you know, it's that that that's a as I'm driving that car, that's my problem as a car guy. I'm driving that car and I'm thinking, man, maybe I need one of these, I'm not really sure, but uh. And I told my wife, we were driving, I said, what do you think about one of these? <laughs> right?
1: They're so much fun. And even looking at your TC, I'm thinking, like, I, I wouldn't mind having that. <laughs> it's, it, it's a full-on sickness. Yes.
0: Now, you've been, you know, at your house I saw a list of awards for the Buggins mm-hmm. that, have, that have happened, like like drag racing awards, stuff like that. So how many of the Buggins have you been to here? Have you been to the Buggins?
1: Um, I was trying to figure that out. The first year I went with my, with my own car was in 1993.
0: And since 93, you've been to every buggin' that they've yes. had here.
1: and I know my dad, because I, I wasn't old enough the drive before that, my dad took me up to a few before that, I'm pretty sure. Now, with those buggins, you've also got a drag bug that you take out there, too. I do, and my, my street bug, my blue bug, was my drag bug for many years, and then mm-hmm. after I got it painted the last time, I just didn't want to tear the car up, so I put together a different bug for racing.
0: Now, the 67 you have that's featured in Hot VWs, mm-hmm. that, that car, you've got, we talked about that, you've got a dozens, I mean... A,
1: Dozens of trophies from racing that car. Dozens of
0: trophies, and you've got quite a few quarter mile passes on that car. Oh, I,
1: I would hundreds. And you built that motor when? 1998 originally. And it's never never had the heads off. Never had it apart. Um, it's been freshened up twice, just rings, bearings, and a valve job. But it's all the parts are in it, are what it came with. Yeah, I that's. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And I mean, a friend and I built it back then, and it was the first big motor I ever built. I
0: May mean, just keep going.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't drive it nice.
0: Now. <clears throat> your ragtop that you have mm-hmm. that's your drag bug it is and what's the setup on the
1: drag bug it's a twenty-one sixty-five, i guess or 78 by 94. you it's built the motor on
0: that mm-hmm.
1: it's 44 by 37 cv heads idas an fk8 cam and it's all honestly junk i had laying around left over from other parts or swap meets and horse an
0: trading. fk8 cam mm-hmm. and that's a small cam it's it not, is it's not like an 89
1: right and it's a small oh. cam it's a great combination though yeah, that's, a, that's more like a bottom-end cam, right? And the, and the transmission in it is one I got off Craigslist. It's just a random close-ratio gearbox some guy had for a couple hundred bucks. The whole car is built from used parts. No way. Every single part of it, except that, the rings and bearings.
0: And you it reminds me a little bit of my drag car, right? I, mean, I, bought, I bought it for a low price, and I've mm-hmm. taken out had it a little bit of fun. I mean, broke the transaxle, but, you know, hey. Yeah, been there. Th- things happen, so... Uh, I think that's that's pretty rad. So you'll are you going to take the drag bug out to this last bug and that's coming up.
1: And for the last bug and I've rounded up some drivers to get all my cars out there.
0: Yeah, and besides the bug and what big shows do they have out here.
1: Um, we've had one called Volkswagens on the Green that's been a huge show since I want to say 1994. Yeah, and they had to stop because of COVID, and it's going to be back again this year. So. And
0: when do they have that in the fall?
1: It's usually in May, usually mid-May.
0: Now, I was driving around a little bit today, and of course I'm from the hottest part of the universe mm-hmm. uh, over there in Las Vegas and actually Phoenix is hotter but not uh, much though yeah but I'm driving here it's a little warm today i mean it's uh it's
1: yeah it's what, mid 90s today it's a little hot it's got
0: to be mid 90s plus the humidity and uh it's she's she's cooking a little bit today so yeah. i i i always find it interesting because you guys have long winters here
1: we do but they're also mild we really don't get serious snow until january february march really usually, usually all the way up till christmas is pretty rare to get much snow
0: so you can drive your volkswagen quite a while here oh, yeah. before you gotta start you, you gotta pack it up because yep. i know i know salt lake around october they get the snow and by then you just start packing things right. up until about may and sometimes. all the east
1: coast guys too they you know they, all they post on instagram like every october it's like putting the car away
0: yeah so you guys you don't have too much of that over you got a, you got a short winter here yeah we really do that really surprises me because i've always thought like you know i mean i guess up in the mountains right you get it's a lot of totally snow different but, up there here but in here Denver, it's
1: actually really mild we have Plenty of 50 and 60 degree days in November and December.
0: Now, how long have you, you bought the shop in 2011, so you've had it.
1: In 12 years now.
0: 12 years. How have you liked having your own shop?
1: Oh, boy. It's fun at the end of the day, but it's also tough, you know. Yeah, it used to be, I was just responsible for me, and now.
0: You used to just look at the flag time and bust it out and make, you yep. know, 60 hours of work in a 40 hour work week and. Uh, exactly.
1: <laughs> and then when I worked for myself, you know, if I got done with my job for the day, I'd go home.
0: Right. And now it's kind of like you've got the rent, the bills, the insurance, all the stuff that you never thought. So making that transition, um, it's kind of been eye-opening. Because there's a lot of guys out there that work for a shop and think, ah, I'm going to go start my own place. And it's not really as easy as you think it would be. Not at all. And then you really... When when you start opening up a business and you realize how heavy handed the government is with you, right? With uh yeah.
1: that was a surprise.
0: <laughs> with all the regulations and all, like, oh, we got to come in. It's oh, do you do any welding in here? Because if you do welding, we are have to see a, a welding space and some mm-hmm. fire blankets and blah blah blah. You know, just like it never ends. I mean, yes. I, I know in in uh, in Nevada they have you know since you're going to be handling oil, they've got an, they, they they charge you an oil fee. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's nothing. It's for nothing other than for them to give you a certificate that says we've checked your place Mm -hmm. and you told us you know how to work with oil.
1: (laughs) Yep. but if you're doing AC, if you're doing tires, there's so many.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a a lot of government bureaucracy that's involved in it that sometimes you don't see as an employee for a shop. Yes. Now, coming here in the shop, have you changed what the shop has done? Is there things that you prefer to do, that you'd like to do, things that you don't do? Um,
1: The only thing we don't really do here is body and paint.
0: So you guys do everything. Someone wants, wants a car built and it's painted mm-hmm. and they want somebody to put it together. Are you?
1: Oh, we'd love to do that. And I have two different painters that I work with. Yeah. You know, one's a super high-end guy that does amazing work. And there's another guy who does really great work for what he charges. And I will see if either one of those guys is willing to work with my customers to fit their budget. And we'll take the cars apart and give them the bodies and pick them back up when it's done and put it back together.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you know, for restoration in Denver – I would think it's like in every other city, there's not a lot of people offering that to be able to do that for you.
1: At least not for Volkswagen. So There's yeah. you know, quite a few muscle car high-end places that do it, but they don't do Volkswagens right. I hate to say it, but when we see a Volkswagen that's been restored by one of the hot oh, rod no. shops, it's just not
0: right. Yeah, they use whatever's whatever's the first thing that pops up on Amazon mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like, yeah, it... It makes VW people crazy. Yes, it does. You know, and then they probably throw in some extra VW logos on the headrests and on the seats and door oh, yeah. panels and stuff like that, so people make sure that they know it's a Volkswagen. Of course.
1: <laughs> now and, and funny wheels, muscle car shops put the weirdest wheels on bugs.
0: Yeah. Now, as you've transitioned into doing like full time VW stuff, mm-hmm. what um, what are one of the things that surprised you really when it came to uh, working on VWs that are maybe? Uh, if somebody, you know, someone just messaged me the other day and said, you know, I'd like to get back in the VW scene and I don't know kind of what to look for, what I should be checking out. So I thought this might be a perfect opportunity for me to ask you if you're talking to a guy who comes to see you and says, you know, say I'm looking to get a VW, I'm going to go buy a Volkswagen. What should I look at before I buy it? What are maybe the top five things I should look at?
1: Like anything else, the biggest thing is rust. Yeah. You got to watch out for a that's got rust and body filler, any evidence of that if you can do if you're looking especially if you're looking to restore a car buy an original paint car because it's honest you can't it's not hiding anything you know yeah we've seen so many people buy a car off ebay or wherever and bring it here and it's just a horrible horrible car
0: yeah Yeah. ebay's a tough deal everybody I know that's bought a car from ebay has been surprised
1: yeah you know it's just a bad bad restoration
0: now drivetrain wise what would you have
1: them check um usual stuff look for oil leaks that's a big one you know, that kind. Of, basically, that's oil leaks are the big one. Make sure it runs smoothly. If it doesn't run good or sounds funny, there's something wrong.
0: What What's your take? Because my take on some of the things is try to buy the best one you can afford. Yes, that's got the most. Because the the, the problem is like if if you look to buy one and you're going to spend because some people are like, oh look, I can get one for twelve hundred bucks. I can get one for fifteen hundred dollars. If you buy one on the lower end. You just gonna have to put all the money in on the back end. And the yes. best way to buy them, against my own personal advice when I buy these oddball things like the old uh, TC out here. Me too. Is is if you buy them as close to finished or a finished car, you're buying them for, you know, 75 cents on the dollar, paying sure. a lot. Usually you're paying 50 cents on the dollar typically for what it costs to build.
1: Easily, you know, and, and the same line of thought. Whenever I have customers that want to restore a car fully, I always try and tell them, like, you're going to have way more in this car than you can possibly sell it for. Right. So just be aware. Yeah.
0: And, and uh, you know, with a lot of people that are that are kind of in our age bracket, it's it, we're all getting to that age where you're in your 40s, 40s, and 50s when people have the most disposable income. And so people start. That's why you see buses starting to spike and bugs and all that stuff starting to spike in value. I mean, even IROCs are worth a good amount of money today. It's crazy. Because, yes. Yeah. The, the, those were the cars back in the day. So. Yeah, you know the the demographic has a tendency to push the hobby, but mm-hmm. uh, I think you know here in Denver we talked about we talked about rust on cars over here because I I saw this orange I kind of made a joke about the orange bus out there like yes. oh is that one of these rust free because it's got a lot of surface rust on it, it but does. it's not rot to the core right
1: right and it's a it's an original paint bus which I like
0: yeah and There's, it's interesting to me because I'm thinking in my head I'm thinking yeah if it's from Denver it's probably rotten but you're saying Denver
1: it's it's actually a pretty dry climate most of the time it's been rainier than usual here so it feels humid but i mean i've pulled plenty of cars out of fields here that are not rusty
0: really Hmm. wow and have you because you've owned a shop how has that affected your participation in car shows and club hangouts and stuff like that has it made that a little more difficult yeah,
1: honestly it's really tough because yeah i, I I'm with bugs all the time, working on Volkswagen all the time. And then in my free time at home, I'm trying to keep my own cars on the road or build my own cars. So, yeah, when it comes time to go to a show, I don't usually have that much interest in it. Yeah. But I love seeing the cars and talking to the people there.
0: So right. I tend to right. show
1: up around 10 or 11, hang out for an hour or two and go home.
0: Yeah. it's You know, it, it's interesting to take something that's a hobby and a passion that you're in love with and then turn it into you know, a career because then after a while it starts to get where I, I did that with car audio when I was younger, you know, we talked about car audio for me mm-hmm. I said, Oh, I thought that'd be really cool. And when I was younger, I got, I started doing car audio and then I really kind of got burnt out a little bit on it because of what I was doing was so mundane. And then I wasn't like, if I was doing crazy custom stuff, I'd find it exciting. But just when I'm just doing deck and two and an alarm and all that stuff all right. day, it gets kind of boring and, and you, you almost lose a little bit of interest in it, but I was young enough to keep the fire, but it, it did get a little bit annoying when it was when it was my job, too. Yes. You know? So that's got to be a tough thing to balance. Because the craziest part is, and that's why I encourage a lot of guys that have shops, just come to my event at one crazy weekend. I don't want you to set up a booth. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to bring a car, and I want you to hang out. And it's kind of one of the basis of the way I've set up my show, is that it's really uh, an active, enthusiast, participant event you know it's got those strip crews it's got the poker run there's the car the, the obligatory car show on Saturday morning of course which lets everybody have their car on display mm-hmm. you know they could stay up late you know park your car the where it's in their parking spot the next day and parking the 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 show's over about one o'clock and then uh then you just go hang out meander about for a few hours until the mm-hmm. poker run starts and the poker run you know it's just more of a interactive event which I've always found more fun you know it's all again it's always about the journey like even yeah, right right course. now where I'm here, you know.
1: It sounds like a lot of fun and the secure parking for your car. Yeah, really appeals to me.
0: Yeah, I know that's that's a big thing for us. We have 24-hour security that's right. there. And it's also Vegas, so we don't we don't have as much of that problem knock on wood in Vegas that we would, you know, that you, that you would in Southern California or stuff right. like that because the market, it's kind—it's of it's a little bit like Denver, right? It's not a huge, it's not the most overtaking thing here, because if you probably, I would guess if you probably put the low rider market up against the VW market here, the low rider market's probably a little bit bigger, or yes. the hot rod market's 10 times bigger. And
1: the import market here is huge, too.
0: Well, I would, you know, and I was thinking about that as I was driving around your Subie today, I thought to myself, I bet Subies here, all I did all day was see Subies. They're huge here. And a couple of them rev me, and mm-hmm. I... Had to use restraint, and I said, I'm not gonna run this dude down. I wouldn't have been upset if you did, you know. But uh, I I could tell that those are probably popular here because of the all wheel drive, right? And they're great snow cars, it's like perfect for doing snow. And you got Pikes Peak not far from here. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to Pikes Peak? I have. Have Uh, you ever driven a car at Pikes Peak? No, I haven't. I'd like to. Now, do they have it? Are you able to drive up Pikes Peak without? Like when there's not a race, something like that yeah. going on?
1: Yeah, as far as I know, you can drive all the way to the top.
0: So is it just a, it's just a big gravel road that goes all the way to the top, or is it's it paved, paved now? It's paved all the
1: way to the top, which I guess made some of the racers in the Pikes Peak Hill Climb angry because they enjoyed the gravel. The first half was paved, the second half was gravel, as I understand it, and they paved it a couple years ago.
0: So the whole thing's paved? Yes. Yeah, and that goes up how high?
1: Oh, my gosh. It's like 14,000 feet or something ridiculous.
0: It climbs to 14,000. I believe so. So it's a 9,000-foot climb and how short a distance? A couple of, a
1: couple of miles. Wow. And I know quite a few friends have driven their bugs up there.
0: Really? Yes. Yeah, I hope you got fuel injection and a turbo charge. Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's going to be, uh, I mean, I, I would think it's tough enough to get stuff to run right here. And then if they're going to drive, like if someone's going to drive a Volkswagen here. Yeah. And you tune it for Denver, and they're driving down to Southern California. That's a, a lot of altitude adjustment. Yes, it is. Which is why Volkswagen from the factory kind of did a general, just a
1: basic adjustment. Just a basic, basic adjustment,
0: which is why you sit behind one in the line. It just all you can smell is fuel because they're they're all going to run a little fat so that they can get through the different elevations. So yeah. it should be interesting. It would be interesting to see how the gear runs when I get out of here, out of this elevation, and down to lower elevation, down in Utah and stuff like that. So. Yeah,
1: once you get over the mountains, you'll be doing just fine, I think.
0: Now, how many mountains are from here to there, um, from here to Utah?
1: Quite a few. I mean, you gotta, you're going to go over the Rockies, over the Continental Divide, and then back down the other side. And you know, once you get past like, Glenwood Springs into the Grand Junction Palisade area, it's pretty smooth.
0: So, and that's the only way to Vegas from here. I it's, mean, sh- short of going up to Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, and there's other ways you can go. There's a way you can go south, past Colorado Springs and... I think you end up through Arizona a little ways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that way. Those are smaller two-lane roads where I wouldn't want to drive a car that's questionable.
0: Right, because you got oncoming traffic. Right. Just you in a yellow line. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and, you know, if you might not have cell service if the breaks down, you might not. It's, it yeah. seems like a bad idea.
0: Yeah, no, that's a wild. Now, have you ever driven your Volkswagen from here to California?
1: I have not. I've That's a dream I've had for years.
0: Though, And with you guys having the Continental Divide and all that stuff, that's a pretty... That's a pretty big thing to go through from here to there. I mean, It is. One of the things that keeps keeps me from driving my Volkswagen to the shows at the summertime in Southern California is Baker Grade. Oh, my gosh. It's because yes. it's a monster grade in the middle of Death Valley. So it's like the hottest part and the steepest climb. So, um, yeah, I'm starting to get a little nervous about thinking about this.
1: <laughs> uh, you'll be fine. It's not that hot. Our, they, ma- our mountains are cold.
0: Yeah, so they're nice but and cool. You'll,
1: you'll drop 20 or 30 degrees by the time you get to the top of the mountains here. Oh, really? hmm
0: yeah, it's just the incline, huh? Yeah. So just take it easy, just third gear the thing and just cruise the yeah, thing. Third and
1: gear in the slow lane all the way till you get to basically pass Eisenhower Tunnel and
0: yeah. it'll be fine. I don't know if I've ever been this way. We're going to find out. It'll well, be an adventure. Yeah, well, listen, uh, that's <laughs> and that's really the whole purpose of all this is just to do an adventure, you know, just to have something right. fun to do because sometimes we, we look at life and we think we're not getting any younger and we don't want to save all our good days for when we're old and we can't. Use up those good days. You know what I mean?
1: You're inspiring me to want to get out there. And I'm take telling a trip you. And a I, bug.
0: I tell everybody, it's even if you go do it one time, you'll mm-hmm. look back and say, it was the most childish, immature, stupid thing I ever did that made no sense, but I had a good time.
1: You know, and I've got fond memories of road trips and my dad's 74 bus. He owned that bus for like 30 years, and we, we took it all over.
0: So your dad originally had a Volkswagen. So your dad, you come from a Volkswagen family.
1: Ish. It's, it's funny. Like my dad, my uncles loved Volkswagens. They lived for them. But my dad had a love-hate relationship with them. So. That's he, interesting. He was more into British cars. Was he? Things. Yes.
0: Now, what drew you to Volkswagens other than just your first one that you got? I mean, did you see magazines, Hobby Ws, any of that kind of stuff when you were younger? I don't
1: even remember. I just remember they were always there in my life. I don't remember not having Volkswagens around that I rode in, bugs and buses, and then just talking to my uncle one day, and he said he was going to sell the old blue bug. And my cousins and I used to play in it in his driveway because it just sat there dead for years. and. I bought it. My dad and I aired up the tires, put a battery in it, and we drove it home.
0: Now, any um, any bugs that you recall, or Volkswagens in general, you recall in the magazines over the years that you've seen that's like, oh, that like, if there was one car, one of my favorites was this one or that one. Anything that comes to mind?
1: Yes, uh, the tan, what, Savannah beige '67 that was built by Ivan McCutcheon from Volksworld. Oh, really? My my, I I know the guy that owns that car. Yeah, Jim Dix.
0: Yeah, Jim yeah. Dix owns
1: that car. That is my favorite car of all time. Like. I saw it at the European Bug last summer, and I had goosebumps.
0: Yeah, I, I had a Savannah beige '67.
1: Mm.
0: I'll end the story there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. I, had, I had a Savannah beige '67 that's owned by Elliot Vansel now, oh. so it's in Texas. So I nice. told him, "Don't that bug goes nowhere but back to me when it when, if it's got to leave the collection." So
1: totally, like that car. Uh.
0: Yeah, '67 Savannah beige. Uh, uh, so I'll tell. I may have told the story one time before on the podcast, but I had. Picked up from a, a guy that worked at a VW shop in Vegas, and this is the kind of guy, and I'm sure there's one here in this town, that he's a, a good mechanic, mm-hmm. but he's a pack rat. Saves everything that comes off the car. He owns an old school bus full of parts, oh, yeah. and he's got a collection of all kinds of stuff. Never really drives anything, but he has these things. and his name, his, my, my buddy's name is Carl, and he had a double cab. And he had taken this double cab, and it was all in primer. He wanted $5,000 for it. Hmm. So I gave him, and this is probably going to be 2005. So I buy this double cab. It's primered, and I'm like, ugh, this thing's a ton of work. And so I happened to be at the VW Classic. Now they, and they had started putting bullets on it, making it look early. So it was a 62. They tried to make it look earlier. Okay. A bunch of the work was done, but it's primer, It's just a shell and i happen to be at the classic and i see a Savannah beige 67 bug it's on five lug sprint stars it's got red interior and it's just a tmi kit and i'm looking at that car and it's and it's a complete it's like um it's like a quick restoration but decent and i and i thought i went up to the guy i can't remember what he wanted for the car 10 or 12000 bucks i can't remember what it and i went up to him and i said you want to trade this for a double cap and the guy's eyes, like, even then he was like, well, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested in do." I said, I just want to do a straight trade. So this, this bug that I picked up from it had a 1200 in it. <laughs> so 1600, it was supposed to have a 1600, but it had a 1200 in it. And the trans was, so we, we met in the middle, met like in Bakersfield, switched cars. And then I drove back. And the only other thing I think is, I don't know if he had a title with it. I can't remember if he had a title with it or not, but I had to get a title for the car. And uh, in hindsight, like that car, all I did to that car, all I ever did that car was drivetrain stuff. All I did was suspension, engine trans, the interior, everything I left completely alone. And uh, it was such a good looking car. I changed it from the the wide five Sprint Stars, changed to, to Fuchs on there. And it was just like, and, there, and I never really had a car that of color stood out to me. Mm -hmm. but something about the savannah beige 67s are a good color the the baby blue they have is also a really cool color but the savannah beige is uh is more my liking so that's a good car yeah that's a and what's interesting is when i first went to volksworld that's who i was hanging out with was ivan so i went to volksworld uh met up with ivan my wife and i were there we hung out with him and his girlfriend and we just kind of did the tour went out to dinner checked everything out i mean he gave me a gave me a banner from the first time Volksworld was on display at a at a magazine meet wow. and it's issue one and it's like an eight foot tall banner. And so he he's like, here, you know, we talked about European people. He's trying to give me things like, here, take this, here, right. take this, take this, take this. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna take this home. So he's like, just fold it up. So I fold up this banner. It's like an eight foot by six foot banner. I finally get it, I get it home. And the whole, the whole thing, and Ivan's a bit of a smoker, so the whole thing yeah. is smelled like a burned cigarette the whole time but yeah he gave me that i've got an issue i've got an issue one of volk's still in the cellophane wow and uh yeah he gave me some he gave me he gave me some pretty cool stuff i haven't seen Ivan in a while and i've been hoping to be able to one day track him down and get him on the podcast but uh hopefully he's doing better yeah um but yeah 67 savannah beige is that, that's the problem there's so many cars that look good yeah and it's just like there's a lot. I mean, I like your '67. That's a good-looking car. That that Honda Civic Si, si blue. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, and it was
1: originally L633 VW blue, which is just kind of a plain dark blue. Which I painted it that color once, and then I was going to repaint it. And a buddy of mine owns a body shop. And this was in 2000 when those Hondas were brand new. He told me he had a better color for me. I was like, whatever. And he came by with a chunk of a crashed Honda and handed it to me. It had been at his shop. Yeah. In that blue. And yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a great. That's a great color. It's a good-looking car. Now. Give me a rundown for anybody to listen about new vintage, like what you guys do over here. Kind of give me the, you know, give me your, your 30 second pitch on whatever you guys do here.
1: We do everything here. We have usually have three or four full restorations in progress. One's being disassembled, you know, one's at paint and one's being reassembled and one's just being tidied up and ready to, ready to deliver. We have plenty of bugs to work on that are people's daily transportation. So we try and get them in and out pretty quick here. And the only thing we really don't do in the house is body and paint.
0: Now, you guys build engines here? We do. And uh, transmissions, I'm assuming you guys install new transmissions. We you do. Farm them out. I have a
1: couple different people I farm them out to. But we build engines, mostly stock stuff. But I will build big engines if people want. And, I mean, but
0: we, when it comes to tuning stuff, you can tune everything, do whatever. Yeah. I mean, somebody's buying a bug and they just got it and it's all out of whack, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. You're I mean, the shop to bring two it to.
1: Tune tuning single carb, dual carbs. I've gotten really adept at stock fuel injection over the last few years, too.
0: Oh, really? So the electronic, the factory Bosch Bosch injection?
1: Yep, for the bugs and buses and type 3s, I've taken myself to school on that stuff.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it takes a, a special kind of uh, understanding. But I, And what it, the way it's been explained to me is like once you understand it, it's pretty simple. Right.
1: But I mean, they take virtually no feedback from the engine. It's just a computer that operates within a set set of parameters. So if it's not working right, there's something wrong. There's a vacuum leak or, you know, things like that. Once could, you understand how it works, it's it, actually very simple.
0: Because it's all just mechanical. Mm-hmm. It's a mechanical fuel injection. Yeah,
1: it's it's barely a computer, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's, and and that's the thing that, as as we see the, the the, hobby start to change a little bit. I see a lot of people with late model Type Threes. Like, don't throw away the EFI. Use it. Fix it. Use it. Would you recommend if somebody bought a, a EFI Type Three and it's not running? What would you recommend?
1: We'll get somebody to fix the fuel injection.
0: Because I mean, if, if it's fuel injected, how do they have you? So you've driven a nice tuned EFI yeah. VW.
1: They run great. Yes, bugs, buses, and Type Threes.
0: And do they adjust for elevation? Not really. So they just kind of keep it. They're just looking at just some basic parameters on the motor, and they keep it running within yeah. a window.
1: So we can we can tune it for elevation. There's not a lot of adjustment to it, but there's a little adjustment.
0: Yeah, and then automatic trans. Are you familiar with?
1: A bit. We've worked on some automatic buses and Type Threes, and they're fun.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and they they, they do take much external adjustment on those.
1: No, the real only, and some of them some of them have an adjustable kickdown or you know a vacuum modulator. That's about it.
0: Now, what about uh, auto sticks?
1: I love auto sticks. Yeah, they're so much fun to drive.
0: I mean, if you think if you look at the technology behind the auto stick, they they were way ahead of their time. Yeah, it's
1: I don't it's it's a shame they didn't catch on.
0: I mean, the clutch you get as soon as you put the put your hand on the shift lever, it engages the clutch.
1: I've had so many people that have bought auto sticks and. I had to teach them how to drive the car.
0: Yeah. Because they like to rest their hand on the shifter? Yes. Every time I'm driving, the thing just won't go into gear. Yeah, I'm
1: <laughs> like, 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 I'm driving and it keeps bucking and popping out of gear. Like, you're touching the shifter again. You're touching the shifter again.
0: Yeah. Some people just don't realize that they just, it's kind of a habit. It's like, yeah. it's like when you watch people drive and you, I'm a big proponent in like, I'm sitting at a light. I'm not on the clutch. I don't touch the clutch until... Like it's just one of those things yep. that bugs me because I've changed the clutch so many times. I look at that throwout bearing and I'm thinking, like, just sitting there holding the clutch in makes me crazy because it's like a momentary design not to sit there and
1: right or having a bug with like a stage two Kennedy in it. You don't want to sit at a stoplight. Yeah,
0: no, it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely one of those things where over time you start to figure out what you what you like and what you don't like when it comes to driving. But right. also the things that that you do that make the car last longer. Right. You know. I mean. It's tough in my bus sometimes. I catch myself resting my foot on the clutch pedal. Mm-hmm. And it's like you've got to be conscious to take it off because it just becomes this second nature thing. But, you know, interestingly, those are all of the things. People's idiosyncrasies are a lot of the reasons that we see a lot of the failures with Volkswagens. And then people can't realize why they're falling apart. Or, you know, one of my favorite things when I buy Volkswagen is like, yeah, the transmission's broke and it's the shift coupler. Right. Or, or the brake drum has been spun right yeah the transmission you know and uh i've i've bought a few Volkswagens that way where they've parked them for years and years and years and just kind of got to the point where they, maybe they just got it back from the shop and the shift coupler broke and they just said bagged yep. the whole thing done with it yeah it's uh it's interesting a lot of fines out here i mean now that you're a shop you get people stopping it all the time trying to sell you stuff obviously and you got more yeah. parts than you can shake a stick at
1: things do come my way more than they used to but I, i've also always been the guy that if i see a bug in a driveway or in front of your house i'll knock on the door and you know, and my friends know I'm that guy, so they'll tell me, like, hey, I saw a bus in this driveway. Here's a picture of it. And yeah. I've bought a lot of them that way.
0: Well, that uh, <laughs> I have people do that to me all the time. Hey, I saw this Volkswagen. You know this? I mean, usually it's like, do you know this guy? I'm like, yeah, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. So with all the cars that you have, because you've got your convertible, your 67 convertible, mm-hmm. you got your 67 Beetle, you got... Your Acapulco thing and the ragtop bug, and you got the ragtop bug, those are your Volkswagens that you got on top of other. We talked Mustangs for a few minutes yeah. off, off the air, yeah. Um, but you've got a really fast, you know, what, what year is your Mustang? It was a 2012. So, and that thing you said it's 11 seconds, yeah, it runs low 11s. Ele- is it automatic or stick It's automatic, that's even crazier. I My mean, daily
1: driver when the weather's nice,
0: yeah, automatic and 11 seconds and mm-hmm. air conditioning, and it's great. Yeah. One. Listen. Volkswagen has technology. It's just gonna. It, it will cost you the same to buy the Mustangs as it would to build a VW that would be that way. It
1: would cost a lot more <laughs> to build a VW that would run that
0: way. Well, I'm thinking if you. Uh, okay, we're not. We're not. 11s is a tall order. But if you actually took a, a like a late model bus automatic trans, you put it into a Type Three, you right. suv powered the thing, oh, you yes. put air conditioning in it. You could do it. You could make a drivable Volkswagen, mm-hmm. and it would probably cost you 50 grand to yes, build that car
1: easily. But yeah, it'd be very fun.
0: Hey, I mean, listen, it can be done. Okay. So, your dreams can be realized, and New Vintage is the place to take it there to get that stuff done. So, so you you do any you, you do any kind of any type of work that anybody needs, and you do it on both Volkswagens and Subarus. We do. So, people are looking to do Subaru stuff. You do that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I do wiring and, harnesses? I do a lot of wiring harnesses for people.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Wiring harnesses just for the Subaru specifically, or no, for just conversions like re,
1: for bugs in general? Like I do a lot of rewiring of Volkswagens.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I do a as, ton of those. as we saw with witness of the. Uh, the uh the gi over here there's mm-hmm. people like to fiddle with the wiring so
1: yes <laughs> and i've built some i've built subaru wire harnesses for conversions before
0: yeah have you mm-hmm. yeah that's uh it's there's pretty,
1: it's pretty straightforward
0: is it mm-hmm. yeah that's that's one of those things when you see that big ecu and you're just looking at it thinking like eh, I, don't, I don't even yeah, know where a lot of wires there, there. yeah there's, <laughs> there's a ton of stuff well man um anything else you wanted to that you wanted to uh Chat about before we wrap it up.
1: No, it's just been a lot of fun.
0: No, I think I think you know, you're a perfect testament of what it is for the VW hobby. You know, we know each other through Instagram and through some stuff like that. But for me to be able to show up at your shop, and for you to be able to make time to help me get some of this stuff going, uh, you know, it's been it's been completely. Awesome! I felt the hospitality, but you know that's kind of the the VW thing. You know, it's kind it of is. like that's the hobby. Yeah, it's, it, th- that's one of the things because I've been like I said, I've, I've said thousands of podcasts. I've been in a bunch of different car genres, mm-hmm. but the VW people happen to happen to be the most genuine people, and they're all for you know like the hobby. They so. are. You
1: know, like I have a Mustang and I have a Camaro, and I've been into the Mustang scene and the Camaro scene and the import scene of my Subaru. Just dabbled in them and. I didn't like the people very much.
0: They're just different, right? Yes, they are. It's because I think, and, and I think the biggest difference is, if you're a VW enthusiast, you have to pay the price to be in the hobby. Like your car is going, you know. Like I say all the time, it's baptism by fire. Like you're getting it one way or another. Yeah, it's gonna break. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna break down on you when you least expect it, and yes. and you're gonna you're gonna ha- you have to have that commitment to cool. The commitment to drive a Volkswagen is is yeah. uh is a price to be paid. But I think that's that's kind of the brotherhood
1: of it, right? Like right. you know what You've that been guy's through been it, through. So, so the, yeah. the people that don't, the ones, you know, they have a bug for like one season and get rid of it, it's just not for them when they get into something else.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's uh I think it's 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 one of the things one of my favorite things about the hobby is the people. I mean, we had people stop by we had a guy stop by today who's a listener to the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, part of this hobby is just Connecting with people and sharing the experiences, the stories, and all that fun stuff. So
1: it's great. You can go to any show in any part of the world, and you've automatically got friends.
0: Oh yeah, especially when you go to Europe, man. When when you go to Europe and they find out you're from the states, they're like, "Oh, you're from the states, really?" It was great.
1: I had (laughs) such a good time last summer. I met so many cool people out there, and like I'm Instagram friends with a bunch of people I met there.
0: Yeah, if you uh, if you get a chance, life is too short not to go to Europe, man. It's Mm -hmm. too short, and it's easy to get a passport. You might as well fly over there, especially after all this COVID nonsense and all that stuff hop a plane go there check it out and uh my no my my wife doesn't argue with me going to europe she has no problem right. with that she's so like so much eh. good food Oof. yeah we get to go we get to do a bunch of other stuff sightseeing mm-hmm. and all that stuff and then yeah. we end up going to a vw show so exactly a lit- we did
1: too we sight we did some sightseeing for a couple days went to the show did more sightseeing yeah went home
0: no that's right well brother i can't thank you enough man for it's for what you've done to help me out and uh um, my pleasure for sure uh We'll we'll be we'll be in touch again. Hopefully I'll see you at the one crazy weekend, man. Maybe. See if I can swing it. I'd love that. <laughs> Maybe you get a chance to come down. It'd be great. All right, brothers. Thanks. Thank you. If you like that podcast, and I'm sure you did, make sure you copy and paste this podcast on your Facebook, on your Instagram, or however you can to share it with those that would appreciate a good VW podcast. I appreciate all the growth that we've seen from our listeners digging in. And if you haven't shared it yet, please do me a personal favor and share it. Matter of fact, if you share it, tag me when you share it. I appreciate all those that help Let's Talk Dubs grow. Look, one day, this might be a full-time gig for me, which would be super rad, and I could buy cars all over the country and just drive around and give stuff away. But listen, we're not there yet, but one day maybe. So if you want to support the podcast, make sure you go to letstalkdubs.com, click on the Merch tab, buy some merch, and support the podcast. If you want a shout-out on the podcast, buy some merch, or give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or any of your listening uh, devices that you listen to us, any of the platforms that you download your podcast from. So, appreciate all you guys. Got lots more podcasts coming up. Super stoked to do it and deliver it for you guys. And don't forget, man, no matter what happens, keep smiling, keep driving your VW. And until next week, later.
1: You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen.